just excited. Uh, I've already been feeling in my heart uh, the Lord's been challenging me, and I, I believe even all of us, is to jump into the river, the river of God. And uh, it's exciting to know that this river is flowing, and it's moving, and it's, God is going, and He's advancing His kingdom. And uh, the question I want to ask you, are you in the river? Are you diving in with Him and allowing Him to move you forward? And uh, His kingdom is advancing. And uh, I want to talk about the picture that uh, Ezekiel saw when he looked at this river. And Ezekiel, we don't have to go there yet, but Ezekiel 47. And Ezekiel sees this picture of this river. And, uh, you know, this river actually began 2,000 years ago at Pentecost when there were 11 disciples waiting in the upper room. And uh, it's a lovely picture, but um, as I've just been thinking about it, I think a lot of us, we're living in a time where we can feel confused. We're living in a time where we feel, you know, things aren't going the way I want them to go, or we're feeling the Lord, He's not quite in what's happening at times. We, we kind of feel like, is He really moving forward? Is he really advancing? I mean, come on, think of it, the lockdown. Some of us, we're thinking we're going forward, and then we were 100, and, and now we're 50, and, uh, you know, who knows what the next lockdown is. And, you know, as a leader, and, and, and I'm sure as many of us here, we, there's a frustration sometimes. It's like, God, are you in this? Are you, do you know what's happening? What should we do? And, and, and there's a bit of confusion sometimes. But you know what the th funny thing about a river? Um, we can think like, a, like thinking a, a, a river is lineal. It's not. Have you ever looked at a river? It's like this, isn't it? It's like windy. It's not just, you know, you would think from George Mountain to the sea, there, there should be a straight line, and that's the quickest way there. But a river doesn't work like that. You know, I, 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 I never took geography, but um, they tell me that the river is always looking for the lowest point. Uh, the gravity is drawing it there. And, uh, and so that river's flowing, but it will eventually get out to the sea. Am I right? The river that flows from the mountain will eventually reach the sea. It will get there. And, um, and so we've got to understand that even though things don't look like they're going the way we want or the shortest route, the Bible says, you know, God says that the, 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 the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And uh, we want to draw a line. We want to go one plus one equals two. God... That is the shortest route there. I don't think you know what you're doing, <laughs> and uh, I, I know better. And, uh, but the thing is, the kingdom doesn't work like that. It doesn't work the way we think it should work. And that's why we should always have the Spirit of God within us. We should always carry the mind of Christ, not the ways of the world, not the world's strategies, not the world's way of doing things. And uh, so let's, let's quickly go to Ezekiel 47, because I think as we begin to see the picture that Ezekiel sees, we begin to understand that God is faithful to complete that which he started, as he said in Philippians 1.6. So here it is. And uh, so Ezekiel sees this picture of this river. And he says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. And he brought me out by the way of the north gate, and led me around on the outside of the outer gateway that, the fa that faces east. And there was water running out of the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. And he brought me through the waters 
and the water came up to my ankle. And again he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. And again he measured 1,000 and brought me through the water, and it came up to my waist. And again he measured 1,000, uh, and it was the river that I could not cross. For the water was too deep, the water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. And when he returned there along the bank of the river uh, were very many trees on the side and on the other. Then he said to me, This water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, whether the river goes, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there. For they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that the fishermen will stand by it from the En Gedi to the En Gelaim. They will be the places for the spreading of their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceeding many. But its swamps and its marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Along the banks of the river, on the side and so on, on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will, be, will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every, every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for the food and their leaves for medicine. Isn't that an amazing picture that Ezekiel sees here? He sees this picture of this river. And you can just imagine this river flowing from the temple. And you know what, what that area is like. It's, it's very... It's like a wilderness. And so you see this river flowing, and Ezekiel sees this picture, and with this beautiful picture that he sees, wherever this river goes, there's just the life. And Ezekiel was seeing something, but you know the prophets of old could only see in part and know in part. They didn't see what you and I are living in, okay? It's good to understand. So Ezekiel sees this river, and he's like amazed. And he, and he sees, wow, this river goes, and wherever it goes, it just brings life. And it even goes down to the Dead Sea. Now, you know the Dead Sea is dead. There's nothing in it, okay? But even the Dead Sea gets life because of it. And Ezekiel sees this amazing picture. And uh, really what, what amazes me, it's, it's the mystery of Christ revealed of God working into the life of His church. And I'm going to explain that because the church is part of what God's doing in this river. And, uh, but the thing with these prophets, they could see things from afar, okay? They could only see glimpses. You know, God's given me this prophetic picture. I don't quite understand, but I can see it's beautiful. I can see something that God is doing. He's advancing. I can see something of His kingdom, and He's doing a work, and He's doing it through people. And these guys see these glimpses, and they think, wow, I, I want to be part of that. But they weren't. They were looking at it from a distance. And uh, Hebrews eleven thirteen it says, they did not receive the things promised. Okay? So Ezekiel didn't see, receive this thing that was promised either. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. You can read it in 1 Peter uh, 1.12. It says the same thing. It says, to them it was revealed that they were not serving themselves. But to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things that even angels desired to look into. You know, God didn't even reveal this mystery to His angels. And He revealed it to the prophets in part. Now, isn't that amazing? I mean, these guys, and they see that. They're seeing it from a distance. It's almost like God gives them a binoculars, and they're looking, and they think, oh, 
man, even from afar, that thing looks beautiful. It looks amazing. And, uh, but you and I, and this is what I want us to grab hold of, it was amazing to them who could see it from afar off, but we are living in it. And so we should be even more amazed at what God is going to do and living in what God is doing. And uh, I was kind of reminded, I, I was just sharing this morning, just how, you know, going back to Mossel Bay, we had like an elders meeting two weeks ago. And uh, we went to the building that we originally were part of, the church that we were originally part of in Mossel Bay. And it, and it was a beautiful building. It's really, it's finally reached a place where it's actually going to its completion. And, uh, but the thing is, I was part of that church in Mossel Bay many years ago. And I was there when there was nothing. There was no building. And uh, we used to go there and we used to pray on top of the mountain because we just purchased this piece of property and it cost about 50,000 rand, which really was a blessing from the Lord. Remember that? And uh, yeah, you remember that, Trev. You were there. I forgot. There was a guy there. <laughs> I thought I'm just telling people. But there were guys that were. Remember those prayer meeting times? We used to stand on the top and we used to pray and pray. And then we used to be cold in winter. And we said, God, use this place. Let it be a, a, a hub to the, to the Western Cape. Let this be a community where the gospel's preached. And we, you know, we had these times. And we even sacrificed a lot. We, we sacrificed holiday money. We sacrificed things uh, so, so that we could build this building because we, we had a picture of what God was going to do. And we believed in it. And, uh, and I, I went back now and I saw this building actually getting to its completion. And I went up and said to one of the elders, MC, I said, just show me the top. I want to see what it looks like. I'm really just like, I'm excited because I've shown a lot into this place. <laughs> I want to know what is, what's happening. So he took me to the top and there were these amazing youth hall and offices galore. I actually got lost in the top. There were so many, like, you know, rooms. And I just looked, I thought, yo, this is lacquer. You know, these guys don't know what they've got. Uh, but you know, what, you know what really struck me is that I got, you know, you know when you sacrifice and you, you're part of that building in the process, you actually almost like you're more excited sometimes than the people that just arrived there. For them, it's just, oh, nice building, you know. But they don't know the cost. And I almost feel like, Eze you know, like Ezekiel's looking and he's saying, Man, if you guys knew what I'm seeing here, this picture of this river, you're going to want to jump in. You're going to want to be part of it. And uh, he's seeing it from afar. And like, almost like those people, I, you know, if I knew at that, at that time probably, you know, if I knew I wasn't going to be in the building because I'm, I'm just not part of it anymore. I moved here to Marcel Bay and we stuck to George and this is our place. This is our home. And, uh, but they're enjoying it. You know, it's almost like, I'm seeing it from afar now. <laughs> you know, that's the past. I wasn't serving myself in that. Had I known that, I probably wouldn't have. <laughs> no, I would have. I still would have committed myself to it. But you know what I mean? It's just I thought I was going to be part of it. And uh, so these guys see the promise from afar, and they, they're saying to you, get in there. You know, jump in the river because there's life. God's going to do something. And uh, Ezekiel's picture was really of what was to come. And he saw glimpses of Jesus working in the life of the church. And, uh, and so I just want to kind of paint this picture that Ezekiel has brought to us. And just how, how did this river start? Well, it started, where, where's the source of this river? It starts from the temple. And the amazing thing is Jesus is that source. And uh, I want to quickly go to John 7, 39. And it says here, on the last days, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, 
as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this, uh, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus was saying, listen, position yourself, guys, because my Spirit's coming. Position your hearts because I'm going to be the source of this river. I'm going to be the one which you're going to drink of. Isn't that an amazing picture? Even, if, you know, Jesus is preparing us for this river. And he's saying, get ready because you need to position yourself and you're going to drink of me. And uh, doesn't that paint the same picture of what you remember? I don't know if you read the scripture in John 4. I don't have time to go there, but, but the Samaritan woman says to Jesus the same thing. It's like, you know, um, when, when, she, when, when she wants to give uh, Jesus water, well, Jesus said, you know, if you, if you knew it was asking you for water, you would have asked of me, and I would have given you living water. And she looks at Jesus and says, but you haven't got a bucket to draw the thing from, and the well's deep, you know. And Jesus says, no, but you don't understand. If you drink of me, come, will come living water, and it will flow out of you. She began to get a glimpse that Jesus was the Messiah. And she begins to drink. And the amazing thing of that scripture in John 4, she drinks of this river. She, she says, I perceive that you're a prophet. She didn't quite understand. She grasped a bit. But Jesus began to reveal himself. And in that moment, you see that she draws the whole village to come to Jesus. Because she, she realized this is, not a, this is a prophet. And, and he's speaking life. And what he has... And she brings actually salvation to the village. Isn't that amazing? And she actually does become a wellspring for others to drink of. Isn't that amazing? Here's a woman who, in a sense, was living with other men all over. You know, she wasn't. And it's like, and, and Jesus doesn't even look at that and say, hold that against her. You know, woman, you, you need to, you, you've been drinking from many wells, but you haven't been drinking from me. You know, he could have, he could have been like it, but he didn't do it. Like, he had so much compassion for this woman. In no way did he belittle her, but he, he picked her up from where she was. He said, you've been drinking from the wrong wells. It's time you drink of me. And I want to say, church, there's many of us who've been drinking from the wrong wells. I know many of us here. We, I know some of the issues and struggles that we have, but I want to say some of you have been drinking from the wells, the wrong wells. And those wells have still left you thirsty. It's almost like drinking salty seawater. You can drink and drink and drink and think that you're getting satisfied, but you're never going to be satisfied. But I love this picture that Jesus paints because it's not a picture that you have to take a bucket and you have to say, okay, God, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. He says, no, if you drink of me, it's almost, you know that, that well that Jesus is talking about? It's an artesian well. That's a well that's constantly under pressure. That if you just, you just tap into it, it just shoots out. That's, that's an artesian well. It's not a well that you have to draw with a bucket or have to suck it out with a pump. This is a well that's pressurized. And Jesus says, if you drink of me, my spirit's going to break through, but you need to seek me. You need to drink of me. Stop drinking of the outside things. Those things are going to satisfy you for a while. It's going to be sweet to the mouth, but bitter to the stomach. And it's going to leave you thirsty. But the things of God never leaves you thirsty. Drink of him. You need to get to the source. And I want to say, I'm not even the source. Andrew's not the source. Chad's not the source. You can come here and you can drink. And, and you can drink. I mean, this, this is a moment where we are eating and, and drinking of the Lord. But it's not that you are tapping into Jesus. You're tapping into me who's tapping into Jesus. But you need to find the well. You need to draw. Because from you needs to come living waters. You see, if you drink of this, you're going to taste. And you're going to maybe last through a bit of the week. But you're going to get thirsty. But you yourself will never become a wellspring. 
So I want to encourage you guys. You, you might be sitting here. You might know what I'm saying right now. You know you, you, you get thirsty. You know. You know that you're not just, you know, Jesus is not just oozing out of your lips when you talk to people on the street or when you're at the shops or when you're at work. It's sometimes you say the swear words, it's, you know what I'm saying, and things are just coming out of you that's not of the well that you're drinking. It's from other sources. Maybe Netflix. <laughs> I don't know. But I want to ask you, where's your source? <laughs> you know, are you, are you drinking of the well? And like I said, it's, it's not an effort. It's not like a work. It's the Holy Spirit that does it, but you need to tap into Him. And I want to encourage you, are you tapped into Him? I, and I, I want to just stop and just pause right now. Because maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. You know if you haven't tapped in. Am I right? You know if you haven't tapped into that, to that well. Because it's not shooting out. It's not like the Spirit's pouring out of you. I know when I'm dry at times. I know when I haven't been drinking from that well. I just want to maybe just pray, just for now. Just to, Lord, I want to pray that just, just that your Holy Spirit would just speak to us right now, Jesus. Many of us have not been drinking of you over this time. Lord, that we've been drinking of other wells. Lord, but I want to pray that we would find you, Jesus. I pray that we, that we would see you and behold you, Lord, that just the beauty of who you are, Lord, that would just attract us and just whet our appetites like you did Ezekiel when he saw that river. Lord, that we would begin to see and behold you again, Holy Spirit. Come and do the work, Holy Spirit. Come and reveal to us, because unless your Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us, we will never drink of you. So come and, Lord, and just, yeah, just tap into that well that, that, that you are, Jesus, that we would drink of you. I pray for just, the, as your word says, those who hunger and thirst for you, Lord, would, would find you, Lord. I want to pray for that in Jesus' name. But I want to say something about this river. This river. It started in, we, 2,000 years ago in the upper room. And the amazing thing is, it started at Pentecost. Here, here was these 11 men, not many men. They were like, some of them were fishermen, but they were just normal men. But Jesus said, wait, wait for me. Wait for me, because I'm going to do something. And I love that picture, because you know that as I was been reading that thing of Ezekiel, it says that he measured 1,000 cubits, and the, the river was ankle deep, and then another 1,000, it was knee deep, and then another 1,000. Do you know, if you actually think of it, it was actually a gradual inclination, isn't it? I mean, a a thousand cubits is about 450 meters. I looked it up. I wasn't quite sure. Now, would you agree with me? That's a very gradual inclination. 450 meters in the river is just ankle deep. And another 450 is just knee deep. But it's a very gradual thing. And, but the thing is, I think what we need to grasp here is Ezekiel saying, it might not appear that this is like a wow, bang moment. Sometimes it's a gradual thing. That's how the kingdom sometimes works. It doesn't just like, Oh, God, why aren't you coming through? Why aren't you bringing God? Just carry on. Just be persistent. Be faithful to me. Just carry on drinking. Just come to my river. And yes, for a while, it might be ankle deep, but carry on. Start pushing in the Lord. Let it get to the knees. Let it go. It's just us being faithful to him. And let me tell you, that river will get deeper. But you need to tap in. Jesus is looking for faithful people, a, a persevering people. And uh, so this gradual, the thing with the kingdom, sometimes, you know, as we look at it, God's greatness starts with 
the gradual, with the small. You know, small is the new big. <clears throat> I mean, think of it. I know, I know, as I was saying to Chad, you know, I know we get frustrated. I do. I, we really, I can tell you as elders, we get frustrated with this lockdown. Because we are 100 and then we're 50. Who knows? Tomorrow we might be 20. And I don't speak that into life. We don't want that. But, you know, it, it feels like the river's not flowing because of it. You know, it feels like it's like but God is still working something. And uh, I don't understand it all the time. I, like I say, we think linear, but God is still doing something. And, and just to kind of prove it to you, I, I was just looking at what our statistics of what God's doing in Josh Jen. And I was looking at this river. Well, not this river, the statistics. It is a river. <laughs> but you know what? Lockdown is not slowing Josh Jen at all, as far as other things. Um, in fact, I was looking at the Josh Jen website. Uh, there's some countries now that are tapping into our website, like Jamaica, Austria, Cairo, Namibia, countries that never, I don't think we've got any workings into maybe Namibia, but that's all. But the other places we had no dealings with, now all of a sudden these guys are linking into our website. I don't, I don't know, maybe God's doing something. Um, they say our, we, our, um, our website visitors rate jumped up by 61%. And uh, that lady, Corinne's personal testimony, I don't know if any of you watched it, had like 5,200 views. Here's a woman just sharing her testimony about what, what Jesus has done. Isn't amazing. Hey? Just not, not Andrew's preach, it was this woman's testimony. And I think God can use a saint in the church to say what he wants to do, what he wants to say. To, through this woman, to other nations. <laughs> that's, that's how God works. He, he, you know, sometimes we think it's got to be the big and this. No, God, God just chooses to use what He wants to and how He wants to do it. And so I want to just say to you guys, don't get frustrated because things change. You know, we often say we love to pull out the Scripture and God is doing a new thing because it sounds lacquer. But the moment He does, it's like, oh, that's awkward. You know, I, I'm not used to That's not how we do church. That's not how we do this. And I want to say, just, just allow the Spirit to do His work, but, but you carry on. You be persistent. Even if it's a gradual inclination, you carry on in the Lord. Keep pushing into Him. And uh, one of the prophetic words we came, when we came to George was from a guy by the name of Mervis. I don't know if any of you, some of you know him, but he came because he's a musician. He's quite talented, but he came to be part of our church plant when we started to just give it that boost, you know, that Come on, guys, that, that hype, that excitement. And he said to me this. He said, Benny, build deep. Don't build wide. And I believe that was a very prophetic picture that he, that he gave me. Because there, there's something in all of us that we want to build quick. We want to build wide. We want to build what's seen, what's known. But he says, no, build what's deep. And people can't see what's deep. But it takes time. That's the thing. Hey? And remember I said that gradual thing. It takes time to build deep. Still waters run deep. And uh, so here it is, the kingdom. And, and this is what makes the, the kingdom different to the world. Uh, Jesus put it like this in Luke 13, if you can go there, please. Thanks. It says, then, then he said, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and put it in his garden. And it grew and became a large tree. And the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again, he said, to, uh, said, to what shall... I like in the kingdom of God. It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid it in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. I know a lot of our ladies know because they bake bread. And you just 
put a bit of that yeast in there, and it makes the whole bread leaven. And uh, that's the picture that Jesus gives, and that's the thing with the kingdom. It starts small. It starts with the mustard seed. You don't see what's happening when you plant a seed. You don't see the, the results until later. And it takes time, and it takes persistence. And so what I want to share on, just, just in line with that, is the Spirit is important. And as a church, we want, to, we want to position ourselves that God can grow, that God can bring life, that God's river can flow through us. We want to be channels of that river. We want to allow God to, to move through His Holy Spirit in us and through us. Why? Like Ezekiel says, because what happens on the banks of the river, there's life. And, uh, you know, I was just, just thinking about it. Sometimes we think that the Spirit is in opposition to structure. Uh, what do I mean by that? Sometimes when we look at structure, we think, that's not God. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's, you know, when Jesus said to the Samaritan woman about the rivers of living water that flow? Because she was asking him this question about worship, wasn't she? And Jesus said, those who worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. And you know what I really thought about that? The truth, to me, speaks of the structure of God. It speaks about how God's going to come. I mean, we don't just do what we want to do here in church. You know, as elders, we, we try and hear what the Lord is saying, uh, but we don't set the banks of the river. We, we look at the Word, and we try and uh, bring what the Word says and articulate that in the life of the church, that when the Spirit of God flows through us, that the banks are set, okay, so the river can flow, that we can become conduits of what the Lord's doing. And uh, just as I was, you know, just thinking about this, um, you see, we've got to understand that the Holy Spirit doesn't just work in a vacuum, okay? He works through His people. He works, uh, so let's go to, let me go to quickly to Matthew nine seventeen. Maybe this will be a better illustration. So here Jesus gives a picture of the, the Holy Spirit being the wine, and the wineskin is the structure. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskin breaks. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So Jesus is saying, look, the new wine is important, but to accommodate the new wine, we have to be flexible. Flexible wineskins. And, I, you know, as, as I was just thinking about that, you know, part of what we're doing is, is we're channeling the Holy Spirit, but we've got to be careful that structure doesn't become too rigid, okay? We don't, we don't want structure to rule church. We just want structure to allow the flow of the Spirit to, to manifest Himself in the life of the church. We see the purpose of structure. So let me give you an illustration. So when we read Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So we understand teaching is important. They devoted themselves to prayer. So we understand prayer is important. You know, they gathered together. So, yes, we have a time which we meet here. That's structure. But structure doesn't become the ultimate. It's to accommodate what the Spirit's going to do. And it's important that we see that, church, because I think, you know what this lockdown has done? And I want to say, I really feel prophetically that we've had a time where, where many people would go to church and they would be fed under the Word. They would come to church. They would have a good teach. They would have a good worship, go home, and that would be church to them. And uh, what happened was when the lockdown came, they stayed at home and they would have a good preach and have a good message and, and have good worship, which is what they were doing in church. 
And then people started thinking, but, but what I do at church and what I do here is actually the same thing. So, you know, why, why go to church? You know, why go to the building? Because I'm the church, you know. But you know what? That is, that is the banks that were set for those people. So when, when the lockdown happened, those people couldn't distinguish the two. But, you know, one of the things I can say with Josh Jen, we have never said that this is a place where you can just get a good message, get good worship. But actually we say, no, you're the priesthood of believers. This is a place where you not only receive, but it's a place where you give. It's a place where you have an outlet that your ministry is exercised, that your gifting is used, that you have given of yourself because you're a priesthood. You see, and as I was looking at, at, at the scripture of Ezekiel, there's something that really struck me because Ezekiel says this. He says um, from verse 11, he says, But its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Now, what is a swamp? If you think of a swamp, it's something that has an inlet, am I right? But it doesn't have an outlet. And so a swamp is actually is a stagnant water. It's water that's just sitting there rotting because it's got no outlet. And uh, so you understand, even though in lockdown, man, we've got to get together because I've got a ministry to give. There's my brothers that I've got to sow into. There's people that, are, that need to be ministered, and I need to disciple people. And so that is so important in the life of the church, and that's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey. Part of discipling is teaching people to obey, not just teaching people. It's getting to the place where they can be obedient. So we've got to show them how do you obey. Well, look at my life. Come, come to my house. Let me, let me explain this and let me walk this road with you. That's discipling. That's your outlet. That's part of the move of the Spirit flowing in you but also through you that you become living water flowing out. Am I right? Are you guys with me? And, uh, but the thing is, too, I want to say this about the structure of the river. It's not a law. So as Chad and I, we often quote, hey, come, guys, get devoted. Be part of it. You know, we don't say it's a law. You have to do this. You have to do that. As you read in Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves. So part of the structure is you devoting yourself because you understand the purpose of structure. You understand the purpose of the riverbanks so the Holy Spirit can work in you. And through you. Understand that. You guys, you guys get it. Now I want to ask you, is your, is your, is your riverbanks set that the Holy Spirit can work in, and, in you and through you? Or have you become a marsh? It's quite hard, eh? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying this. This is Ezekiel talking about the marshes. And I'm asking myself as a teacher, what does that mean, God? What is a marsh? You know, what is, what is a marsh? Yeah. I was just reading up about a marsh. You know, it's stagnant water. Water can become stagnant in, little, in as little as 24 hours. Mold and bacteria also begins to grow within 48 hours. And mold can colonize within 12 days. So, yeah, and then everything inside that water begins to rot. I want to say to you, are you, are you a marsh? Or is God flowing through you? Because I want to be part of that river. You know, the opposite from a marsh is when you look at the riverbanks, it's just, it's just life, isn't it? It's just, if you look along the river, there's trees in it. And that's, that's the purpose of church. We accommodate the Spirit. It's not just for us. It's that when people come and look, and they look, oh, there's an oasis. God must be there. There's life here. People, you know, 
I can see God just restores marriages. He restores families. He brings healings. He brings salvation. He brings people to freedom. He sets them free from bondage. That's life. That's the river that God's called us to and to be part of. The amazing thing is, I want to say this about a river. As you read that picture that Ezekiel paints, it's like, a, it's like a river that's just flowing down, and it goes to the lowest point, being the Dead Sea. Do you know the Dead Sea is the lowest point in land? Huh? It's 1,400 feet below sea level. And, it's, and Ezekiel sees this picture, and this, this river goes into the Dead Sea. I've never been there, but Lauren's been there, and she's told me it's like, Yucky. When you climb in that water, it's like slimy and it's a salt and you have to have a really long shower afterwards because there's nothing there. There's just no life. It's a salt. But yet, Ezekiel sees this picture and it's just life in this river. And he says, the fish that you see there is like the fish you see in the sea. That, that so big and so much. Hey, isn't that exciting? As Ezekiel looks at this. And I was just thinking about this, you know, we need to become like that river. I want to ask you, are you prepared to be like a river that's constantly gravitating, not to the highest points, but to the lowest points? Because God's leading us. And, and we need to have the, the heart, even like John the Baptist says, I must decrease. I must decrease. I must find the lowest point constantly because I know the life of God is going to flow through me to the lowest point. Let me tell you, church, and this is what I want to say tonight. I know there's people that are really hopeless, people that have lost loved ones, people that are actually searching for Jesus. The world, we are living in a time, this COVID time, if it's done anything, it's made people wanting to know what's the truth. When there's so much information, what's the truth? Where's my hope? People are seeking that. Let me tell you, people are hungry, people are thirsty, and I almost feel like the cry of Jesus says, come to me, all you are weary, all you are thirsty. You guys are the ones that point people to him. I want to ask you, are you looking for the lowest points? Are you finding people that need Jesus? I'm not, I've got to be honest with you, sometimes in my mind, I'm not even conscious of that, and God's challenging me. I mean, there's a lady now that, that, that's husband just died of COVID, and I know we spoke with her. We used to have conversations with her as we took our dogs to the park. Uh, and this lady was totally anti-God, anti, you know, all, all those conspiracy the theories, anti-vaccines, all of these things. And her husband dies of COVID. And she's like, what now? She's seeking. And we had the opportunity, even today, she came to our house because we've been, Lauren has been amazing. She's been ministering to her. And it's like her heart's just open. And uh, do you want do you want to share? Can you share something of that? I think it's important, just the of this of this testimony. So, um, I, I just say to Benny, the miracle salvation is an absolute miracle because I've known this woman for quite a few years. I don't know her very well, but um, I've seen the hardness of her heart. I've seen her. I've just I've I've seen that that side of her and. Um, her husband passed away, and then she got COVID, so she was home alone. No one could come to the house. She was desperate, and I just felt God saying, you need to reach out to her now, now. You know, it's like, don't wait, because I thought, you know, if, if she dies as well, who's given her the gospel? And, um, and I was messaging her, and, and we've been in communication, and I obviously couldn't go there because of the COVID, and 
um, she's received Jesus actually through someone through someone else. But she, that person said, get in contact with Lauren. And um, so I've been ministering to her. And this woman has gone from this to this. Uh, I mean, her heart is so open for the gospel. She is seeking him. She wants, she's asking me questions all the time. She um, invited her to church today, but someone else has invited her to church already. And she says, is it okay? Is it okay for Christians to be going all over? So, you know, I'm, I'm just um, coming alongside her, discipling her, pointing her to Jesus, teaching her how to read the word. I mean, just the simple things, um, but the hunger in her and the, and the longing to know Jesus, it's just incredible. And I, I do believe she was at her lowest point, and Jesus has come, and, and she's found Jesus. So, yeah. Yeah, that is amazing. And you know, Jesus said the harvest is ripe. You know, you can look at COVID. Let me tell you, if it wasn't for COVID, I don't think that hunger would be there. And God uses circumstances like that to bring people to salvation. And uh, so, like I said, we can't think linear. If, if God's going to use that, man, I, I want to be part of just being an instrument in his hands. And, but are you willing to go low? Are you willing to constantly be seeking the Lord to the lowest point? And if you look at Jesus, hey, he hung around with the tax collectors. He dined with the prostitutes. And the Pharisees would look at him like, what are you doing? And he says, you know what? You guys seek the highest honor. You're looking for the high. You're trying to go high. I'm going. I'm seeking and saving those who are lost. You know, that's the difference between the Pharisees and, and those tax collectors was they acknowledged that they were sick. And Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. And can I say, when you're going for the lowest, you're going to find the sick. You're going to find the hurt. You're going to find the broken. But you're going to find those who are seeking the Lord. And they are right, church. They are right. But the Bible says we are to have the mind of Christ. In Philippians 2, I don't know if I gave you that one, Becky. says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death, even death on the cross. How low was Jesus willing to go? Yeah, God, creator of everything, he didn't try to hold on to his position as God. He says, I'm going to come down as man. And I'm not going to just stay as man. I'm going to become a servant to man. You, know, you see Jesus going lower. And he says, but I'm not even going to just be a servant of man. I'm going to go even lower. I'm going to be obedient even to the point of death. And yeah, we've we got an issue because I'm not willing to go a little bit lower. You're not even God. But God gave us this mind. He says, let this mind, which is in Jesus, be in you. Isn't that amazing? That's God. And we are to have his heart. If we've got his mind, let me tell you, you'll have his heart. To go where he's called us to go. And so I want to challenge you as a church. Are you drinking of the river? Are you drinking of Jesus? You know how you know? Because the water is flowing out of you. The Spirit is flowing out of you because you've drunk of Him. But everything of Jesus is oozing out of you. 
and you are becoming a wellspring to those around you. Who have you ministered to lately? Who have you spoken to about the gospel? Those around you, at the workplace, at the shops. That's a question I'm, I'm throwing out there. I'm feeling challenged by it. But it needs to be constantly on my lips because Jesus is flowing out of me. The wellspring is there within me. And uh, he's calling us, but he's also saying to us, and I, I really feel as this picture is, I also want to ask you, not only are you drinking of the source, but are you giving? Is, that, is the river bank set in your heart that the Holy Spirit can flow through you, or have you become a swamp? Have you become stagnant in, in, in your relationship with the Lord? Have you become stagnant that there's no outlet within you? And I want to challenge you guys tonight. Allow the Spirit to work in your hearts. I don't know where, where you guys are at spiritually, but I do know that I think we can all say we, we one or the other or both. And uh, so, yeah, maybe, I don't know, if, can I pray and then? But I also want us to respond this, this evening. You know where you're at. And Lord, I want to pray that as your Holy Spirit has just been working in our hearts, Jesus, as we see this picture that Ezekiel paints for us about this river of life, Lord, I want to pray that uh, those who have just grown weary, Father, that we've been in the wilderness, but we, we haven't been drinking of you, Lord. I want to pray for for us just to come to that place where we can come back to the altar, to the source of the river, being you, Jesus. Lord, where we've been drinking of the wrong wells, I want to pray for hearts right now, Lord, that they would come and respond to you, Jesus, because they become thirsty again, because the rivers or the, the wells that they've drunk of, Lord, have left them thirsty. It might have satisfied for a while, but Lord, it hasn't quenched. And it hasn't been that which from them comes wellsprings of life. And Lord, I want to pray too for those who have received and received, but Lord, there's been no outlets. No move of your spirit to work through them, but Lord, that become introspective, Lord. Naval gazers. Lord, I want to pray for them. Lord, I want to pray that you would set the banks of the river in their hearts, Jesus. That you can begin to flow out of them. Lord, where there's been plugs in those holes, Lord, where they've been blocked. Father, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and unblock those wells. Lord, that once those hearts were for you and passionate about you, Jesus, but those lights have become flickers of, of, of your life, Jesus. They become dim. I pray that you would come again, Lord, and just ignite those hearts. I pray that the hearts of stone would become hearts of flesh once again, Jesus that they would see what you see, Jesus, that they'd carry the heart that you carry, Jesus, that when you looked at the crowds, you, you, you had compassion on them, Lord, because you saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Lord, I pray that the hunger for the lost would just stir us once again, Lord. 
I want to pray for a response this, this evening, Lord, that those would just come and prophetically come to you. You even cried out, said, all you are weary, come to me. And I just felt this, this evening that come and respond. Come to the front. You're not coming to me. I'm not, like I said, I'm not the source. But there's a prophetic picture that Jesus says when he said, come. Because you're coming to him. And uh, I believe in that, that God responds to us, that we tap into his spirit, that he can flow. So Holy Spirit, come and just work in your saints as we respond to you in repentance and confession to you, Lord. That's when you begin to work. So come to the river this, this, this evening. Come into his presence. Me and I, I believe even all of us is to jump into the river, the river of God. And... Uh, it's exciting to know that this river is flowing and it's moving and it's, God is going and He's advancing His kingdom. And uh, the question I want to ask you, are you in the river? Are you diving in with Him and allowing Him to move you forward? And uh, His kingdom is advancing. And uh, I want to talk about the picture that uh, Ezekiel saw when he looked at this river in Ezekiel. We don't have to go there yet, but Ezekiel 47. And Ezekiel sees this picture of this river. And, uh, you know, this river actually began 2,000 years ago at Pentecost when there were 11 disciples waiting in the upper room. And uh, it's a lovely picture, but um, as I've just been thinking about it, I think a lot of us, we're living in a time where we can feel confused. We're living in a time where we feel, you know, things aren't going the way... I want them to go, or we're feeling the Lord, He's not quite in what's happening at times. We, we kind of feel like, is He really moving forward? Is He really advancing? I mean, come on, think of it, the lockdown. Some of us, we're thinking we're going forward, and then we were 100, and, and now we're 50, and, you know, who knows what the next lockdown is. And, you know, as a leader, and, and, and I'm sure as many of us here, we, there's a frustration sometimes. It's like, God, are you in this? Are you, do you know what's happening? What should we do? And, and, and there's a bit of confusion sometimes. But you know what the th funny thing about a river? Um, we can think like, a, like thinking a, a, a river is lineal. It's not. Have you ever looked at a river? It's like this, isn't it? It's like windy. It's not just, you know, you would think from George Mountain to the sea, there, there should be a straight line, and that's the quickest way there. But a river doesn't work like that. You know, I, 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 I never took geography, but um, they tell me that the river is always looking for the lowest point. Uh, the gravity is drawing it there. And, uh, and so that river is flowing, but it will eventually get out to the sea. Am I right? The river that flows from the mountain will eventually reach the sea. It will get there. And, um, and so we've got to understand that even though things don't look like they're going the way we want or the shortest route... The Bible says, you know, God says that the, the, the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And uh, we want to draw a line. We want to go one plus one equals two. God, that is the shortest route there. I don't think you know what you're doing. <laughs> and uh, I, I know better. And, uh, but the thing is, the kingdom doesn't work like that. It doesn't work the way we think it should work. And that's why we should always have the Spirit of God within us. We should always carry the mind of Christ. Not the ways of the world, not the world's strategies, not the world's way of doing things. And uh, so let's, let's quickly go to Ezekiel 47, because I think as we begin to see the picture that Ezekiel sees, 
we begin to understand that God is faithful to complete that which He started, as He said in Philippians 1.6. So here it is. And uh, so Ezekiel sees this picture of this river. and says, Then He brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. And He brought me out by the way of the north gate, and led me around on the outside of the outer gateway that, the fa- that faces east. And there was water running out of the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. And he brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my ankle. And again he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. And again he measured 1,000 and brought me through the water, and it came up to my waist. And again he measured 1,000, and it was the river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, the water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river, and when he returned there along the bank of the river uh, were very many trees on the side and on the other. Then he said to me, This water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea, when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed, and it shall be that every living thing that moves, whether the river goes, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live every, wherever the river goes. It shall be that the fishermen will stand by it from the En Gedi to the En Gelaim. They will be the places for the spreading of their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceeding many. But its swamps and its marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Along the banks of the river, on, the side and, and, sorry, on, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will, be, will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every, every month because their water flows from the sanctuary their fruit will be for the food and their leaves for medicine. Isn't that an amazing picture that Ezekiel sees here? He sees this picture of this river, and you can just imagine this river flowing from the temple, and you know what that area is like. It's, it's, very, it's like a wilderness. And so you see this river flowing, and Ezekiel sees this picture, and with this beautiful picture that he sees, wherever this river goes, there's just the light. And Ezekiel was seeing something but you know, the prophets of old could only see in part and know in part. They didn't see what you and I are living in, okay? It's good to understand. So Ezekiel sees this river, and he's like amazed. And he, and he sees, wow, this river goes, and wherever it goes, it just brings life. And it even goes down to the Dead Sea. Now, you know the Dead Sea is dead. There's nothing in it, okay? But even the Dead Sea gets life because of it. And Ezekiel sees this amazing picture. And uh, really what, what amazes me, it's, it's the mystery of Christ revealed of God working into the life of His church. And I'm going to explain that because the church is part of what God's doing in this river. And, uh, but the thing with these prophets, they could see things from afar. Okay? They could only see glimpses. You know, God's given me this prophetic picture. I don't quite understand, but I can see it's beautiful. I can see something that God is doing. He's advancing. I can see something of His kingdom, and He's doing a work, and He's doing it through people. And these guys see these glimpses, and they think, wow, I, I want to be part of that. But they weren't. They were looking at it from a distance. And uh, Hebrews eleven thirteen 13, it says, They did not receive the things promised, 
okay? So Ezekiel didn't receive this thing that was promised either. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. You can read it in 1 Peter uh, 1.12. It says the same thing. It says, to them it was revealed that they were not serving themselves. But to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things that even angels desired to look into. You know, God didn't even reveal this mystery to his angels. And he revealed it to the prophets in part. Now, isn't that amazing? I mean, these guys, and they see that, they're seeing it from a distance. It's almost like God gives them a binoculars and they're looking and they think, oh, man, even from afar, that thing looks beautiful. It looks amazing. And, uh, but you and I, and this is what I want us to grab hold of, it was amazing to them who could see it from afar off, but we are living in it. And so we should be even more amazed at what God is going to do and living in what God is doing. And uh, I was kind of reminded, I, I was just sharing this morning, just how, you know, going back to Mossel Bay, we had like an elders meeting two weeks ago. And uh, we went to the building that we originally were part of, the church that we were originally part of in Mossel Bay. And it, and it was a beautiful building. It's really, it's finally reached a place where it's actually going to its completion. And, uh, but the thing is, I was part of that church in Mossel Bay many years ago. And I was there when there was nothing. There was no building. And uh, we used to go there and we used to pray on top of the mountain because we just purchased this piece of property and it cost about 50,000 rand, which really was a blessing from the Lord. Remember that? And uh, yeah, you remember that, Trev. You were there. I forgot. There was a guy there. <laughs> I thought I'm just telling people. But there were guys that were. Remember those prayer meeting times? We used to stand on the top and we used to pray and pray. And then we used to be cold in winter. And we said, God, use this place. Let it be a, 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 a hub to the, to the Western Cape. Let this be a community where the gospel's preached. And we, you know, we had these times. And we even sacrificed a lot. We, we sacrificed holiday money. We sacrificed things uh, so, so that we could build this building because we, we had a picture of what God was going to do. And we believed in it. And, uh, and I, I went back now and I saw this building actually getting to its completion. And I went up and said to one of the elders, MC, I said, just show me the top. I want to see what it looks like. I'm really just like, I'm excited because I've shown a lot into this place. <laughs> I want to know what is, what's happening. So he took me to the top and there were these amazing youth hall and offices galore. I actually got lost in the top. There were so many, like, you know, rooms. And I just looked, I thought, yo, this is lacquer. You know, these guys don't know what they've got. Uh, but you know what, you know what really struck me is that I got, you know, you know when you sacrifice and you, you're part of that building in the process, you actually, almost like you're more excited sometimes than the people that just arrived there. For them, it's just, oh, nice building, you know. But they don't know the cost. And I almost feel like, Eze you know, like Ezekiel's looking and he's saying, man, if you guys knew what I'm seeing here, this picture of this river, you're going to want to jump in. You're going to want to be part of it. And uh, he's seeing it from afar. And like, almost like those people, I, you know, if I knew at that, at that time probably, you know, if I knew I wasn't going to be in the building, because I'm, I'm just not part of it anymore. I've moved here to Marshall Bay, we stuck to George, and this is our place, this is our home, and, uh, but they're enjoying it. You know, it's almost like I, I'm seeing it from afar now. <laughs> you know, that's the past. I wasn't serving myself in that. Had I known that, I probably wouldn't have, <laughs> no, I would have, I still would have committed myself to it. But you know what I mean? It's just I thought I was going to be part of it. And uh, so these guys see the promise from afar, and they, they're saying to you, 
get in there, you know, jump in the river because there's life. God's going to do something. And uh, Ezekiel's picture was really of what was to come, and he saw glimpses of Jesus working in the life of the church. And, uh, and so I just want to kind of paint this picture that Ezekiel has brought to us. And just how, how did this river start? Well, it started, where, where's the source of this river? It starts from the temple. And the amazing thing is Jesus is that source. And uh, I want to quickly go to John 7, 39. And it says here, On the last days, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this, uh, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus was saying, listen, position yourself, guys, because my Spirit's coming. Position your hearts because I'm going to be the source of this river. I'm going to be the one which you're going to drink of. Isn't that an amazing picture? Even, in, you know, Jesus is preparing us for this river. And he's saying, get ready because you need to position yourself and you're going to drink of me. And uh, doesn't that paint the same picture of what you remember? I don't know if you read the scripture in John 4. I don't have time to go there, but, but the Samaritan woman says to Jesus the same thing. It's like, you know, um, when, when, she, when, when she wants to give uh, Jesus water, well, Jesus said, you know, if you, if you knew it was asking you for water, you would have asked of me, and I would have given you living water. And she looks at Jesus and says, but you haven't got a bucket to draw the thing from, and the well's deep, you know. And Jesus says, no, but you don't understand. If you drink of me, come, will come living water, and it will flow out of you. She began to get a glimpse that Jesus was the Messiah. And she begins to drink. And the amazing thing of that scripture in John 4 is she drinks of this river. She, she says, I perceive that you're a prophet. She didn't quite understand. She grasped a bit. But Jesus began to reveal himself. And in that moment, you see that she draws the whole village to come to Jesus because she, she realized this is not a, this is a prophet and, and he's speaking life and what he has. And she brings actually salvation to the village. Isn't that amazing? And she actually does become a wellspring for others to drink of. Isn't that amazing? Here's a woman who, in a sense, was living with other men all over. You know, she wasn't. And it's like, and, and Jesus doesn't even look at that and say, hold that against her. You know, woman, you, you need to, you, you've been drinking from many wells, but you haven't been drinking from me. You know, he could have, he could have been like it, but he didn't do it. Like, he had so much compassion for this woman. In no way did he belittle her, but he, he picked her up from where she was. He said, you've been drinking from the wrong wells. It's time you drink of me. And I want to say, church, there's many of us who've been drinking from the wrong wells. I know many of us here. We, I know some of the issues and struggles that we have, but I want to say some of you have been drinking from the wells, the wrong wells. And those wells have still left you thirsty. It's almost like drinking salty seawater. You can drink and drink and drink and think that you're getting satisfied, but you're never going to be satisfied. But I love this picture that Jesus paints because it's not a picture that you have to take a bucket and you have to say, okay, God, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. He says, no, if you drink of me, it's almost, you know that, that well that Jesus is talking about? It's an artesian well. That's a well that's constantly under pressure. That if you just, you just tap into it, it just shoots out. That's, that's an artesian well. It's not a well that you have to draw with a bucket or have to suck it out with a pump. This is a well that's pressurized. And Jesus says, if you drink of me, my spirit's going to break through, but you need to seek me. You need to drink of me. Stop drinking of 
the outside things. Those things are going to satisfy you for a while. It's going to be sweet to the mouth, but bitter to the stomach. And it's going to leave you thirsty. But the things of God never leaves you thirsty. Drink of Him. You need to get to the source. And I want to say, I'm not even the source. Andrew's not the source. Chad's not the source. You can come here and you can drink. And, and you can drink. I mean, this, this is a moment where we are eating and, and drinking of the Lord. But it's not that you are tapping into Jesus. You're tapping into me who's tapping into Jesus. But you need to find the well. You need to draw because from you needs to come living waters. You see, if you drink of this, you're going to taste and you're going to maybe last through a bit of the week, but you're going to get thirsty. But you yourself will never become a wellspring. So I want to encourage you guys. You, you might be sitting here. You might know what I'm saying right now. You know you, you, you get thirsty. You know. You know that you're not just, you know, Jesus is not just oozing out of your lips when you talk to people on the street or when you're at the shops or when you're at work. It's sometimes you say the swear words, it's, you know what I'm saying, and things are just coming out of you that's not of the well that you're drinking. It's from other sources. Maybe Netflix. <laughs> I don't know. But I want to ask you, where's your source? <laughs> you know, are you, are you drinking of the well? And like I said, it's, it's not an effort. It's not like a work. It's the Holy Spirit that does it, but you need to tap into Him. And I want to encourage you, are you tapped into Him? I, and I, I want to just stop and just pause right now. Because maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. You know if you haven't tapped in. Marat, you know if you haven't tapped into that, to that well, because it's not shooting out. It's not like the Spirit's pouring out of you. I know when I'm dry at times. I know when I haven't been drinking from that well. I just want to maybe just pray, just for now, just to, Lord, I want to pray that just, just that your Holy Spirit would just speak to us right now, Jesus. Many of us have not been drinking of you over this time. Lord, that we've been drinking of other wells. Lord, but I want to pray that we would find you, Jesus. I pray that we, that we would see you and behold you, Lord, that just the beauty of who you are, Lord, that would just attract us and just whet our appetites like you did Ezekiel when he saw that river. Lord, that we would begin to see and behold you again, Holy Spirit. Come and do the work, Holy Spirit. Come and reveal to us. Because unless your Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us, we will never drink of you. So come and, Lord, and just, yeah, just tap into that well that, that, that you are, Jesus, that we would drink of you. I pray for just, the, as your word says, those who hunger and thirst for you, Lord, would, would find you, Lord. I want to pray for that in Jesus' name. But I want to say something about this river. This river. It started in we, 2,000 years ago in the upper room. And the amazing thing is, it started at Pentecost. Here, here was these 11 men, not many men. They were like, some of them were fishermen, but they were just normal men. But Jesus said, wait, wait for me. Wait for me, because I'm going to do something. And I love that picture, because you know that as I was been reading that thing of Ezekiel, it says that he measured a thousand cubits and the, the river was ankle deep and then another thousand, it was knee deep and then another thousand. Do you know if you actually think of it, it was actually a gradual inclination, isn't it? I mean, a, a thousand cubits is about 450 meters. I looked it up. I wasn't quite sure. Now, would you agree with me? That's a very gradual inclination. 450 meters and the river is just ankle deep. 
And another 450, it's just needy. But it's a very gradual thing. And, but the thing is, I think what we need to grasp here is Ezekiel saying, it might not appear that this is like a wow, bang moment. Sometimes it's a gradual thing. That's how the kingdom sometimes works. It doesn't just like, oh God, why aren't you coming through? Why aren't you bringing God? says, carry on. Just be persistent. Be faithful to me. Just carry on drinking. Just come to my river. And yes, for a while it might be ankle deep, but carry on. Start pushing in the Lord. Let it get to the knees. Let it go. It's just us being faithful to Him. And let me tell you, that river will get deeper. But you need to tap in. Jesus is looking for faithful people, a, a persevering people. And uh, so this gradual, the thing with the kingdom, sometimes, you know, as we look at it, God's greatness starts with the gradual, with the small. You know, small is the new big. <clears throat> I mean, think of it. I know, I know, as I was saying to Chad, you know, I know we get frustrated. I do. I, we really, I can tell you as elders, we get frustrated with this lockdown. Because we are 100 and then we're 50. Who knows? Tomorrow we might be 20. And I don't speak that into life. We don't want that. But, you know, it, it feels like the river's not flowing because of it. You know, it feels like it's not, but God is still working something. And uh, I don't understand it all the time. Like I say, we think linear, but God is still doing something. And And just to kind of prove it to you, I, I was just looking at what our statistics of what God's doing in Josh Jen, and I was looking at this river, well, not this river, the statistics, it is a river, <laughs> but you know what, lockdown is not slowing Josh Jen at all, as far as other things, um, in fact, I was looking at the Josh Jen website, uh, there's some countries now that are tapping into our website, like Jamaica, Austria, Cairo, Namibia, countries that never... I don't think we've got any working since you, maybe Namibia, but that's all. But the other places we had no dealings with, now all of a sudden these guys are linking into our website. I don't, I don't know, maybe God's doing something. Um, they say our, we, our, um, our website visitors rate jumped up by 61%. And uh, that lady, Corinne's personal testimony, I don't know if any of you watched it, had like 5,200 views. Here's a woman just sharing her testimony about what Jesus has done. Amazing, hey, just not not Andrew's preach. It was this woman's testimony, and I think God can use a saint in the church to say what He wants to do, what He wants to say to through this woman to other nations. That's that's how God works. He, you know, sometimes we think it's got to be the big and this. No, God, God just chooses to use what He wants to and how He wants to do it. And so I want to just say to you guys: Don't get frustrated. Because things change. You know, we often say, we love to pull out the scripture and God is doing a new thing because it sounds lacquer. But the moment he does, it's like, oh, that's awkward. You know, I, I'm not used to, that's not how we do church. That's not how we do this. And I want to say, just, just allow the spirit to do his work. But, but you carry on. You be persistent. Even if it's a gradual inclination, you carry on in the Lord. Keep pushing into him. And uh, one of the prophetic words we came, when we came to George was from a guy by the name of Mervis. I don't know if any of you, some of you know him, but he came because he's a musician. He's quite talented, but he came to be part of our church plant when we started to just give it that boost, you know, that, come on guys, that, that hype, that excitement. And he said to me this, he said, Benny, build deep, don't build wide. And I believe that was a very prophetic picture that he, that he gave me, because there, there's something in all of us that we want to build quick, we want to build wide, we want to build what's seen, what's known, but he says, no, build what's deep, and people can't see what's deep, 
But it takes time. That's the thing. Hey? And remember I said that gradual thing. It takes time to build deep. Still waters run deep. And uh, so here it is, the kingdom. And, and this is what makes the, the kingdom different to the world. Uh, Jesus put it like this in Luke 13, if you can go there, Briggs. Thanks. It says, then, then he said, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and put it in his garden. And it grew and became a large tree. And the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again, he said to, uh, said, to what shall I like in the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid it in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. I know a lot of our ladies know because they bake bread. And you just put a bit of that yeast in there and it makes the whole bread leavened. And uh, that's the picture that Jesus gives. And that's the thing with the kingdom. It starts small. It starts with the mustard seed. You don't see what's happening when you plant a seed. You don't see the, the results until later. And it takes time. And it takes persistence. And so what I want to share on, just, just in line with that, is the Spirit is important. And as a church, we want, to, we want to position ourselves that God can grow that God can bring life, that God's river can flow through us. We want to be channels of that river. We want to allow God to, to move through His Holy Spirit in us and through us. Why? Like Ezekiel said, because what happens on the banks of the river, there's life. And, uh, you know, I was just, just thinking about it. Sometimes we think that the Spirit is in opposition to structure. What do I mean by that? Sometimes when we look at structure, we think, that's not God. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's, you know when Jesus said to the Samaritan woman about the rivers of living water that flow? Because she was asking him this question about worship, wasn't she? And Jesus said, those who worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. And you know what I really thought about that? The truth to me speaks of the structure of God. It speaks about how God's going to come. I mean, we don't just do what we want to do here in church. You know, as elders, we, we try and hear what the Lord is saying, uh, but we don't set the banks of the river. We, we look at the Word, and we try and uh, bring what the Word says and articulate that in the life of the church, that when the Spirit of God flows through us, that the banks are set, okay, so the river can flow, that we can become conduits of what the Lord's doing. And uh, just as I was you know, just thinking about this, um, you see, we've got to understand that the Holy Spirit doesn't just work in a vacuum, okay? He works through His people. He works, uh, so let's go to, let me go to quickly to Matthew nine seventeen. Maybe this will be a better illustration. So here Jesus gives a picture of the, the Holy Spirit being the wine and the wineskin is the structure. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskin breaks. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. So Jesus is saying, look, the new wine is important, but to accommodate the new wine, we have to be flexible. Flexible wineskins. And, I, you know, as, as I was just thinking about that, you know, part of what we're doing is, is we're channeling the Holy Spirit. But we've got to be careful that structure doesn't become too rigid. Okay? We don't, we don't want structure to rule church. We just want structure to allow the flow of the Spirit to, to manifest Himself in the life of the church. We see the purpose of structure. So let me give you an illustration. So when we read 
Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So we understand teaching is important. They devoted themselves to prayer. So we understand prayer is important. You know, they gathered together. So yes, we have a time which we meet here. That's structure. But structure doesn't become the ultimate. It's to accommodate what the Spirit's going to do. And it's important that we see that, church, because I think, you know what this lockdown has done? And I want to say, I really feel prophetically that we've had a time where, where many people would go to church and they would be fed under the Word. They would come to church. They would have a good teach. They would have a good worship, go home, and that would be church to them. And uh, what happened was when the lockdown came, they stayed at home and they would have a good preach and have a good message and, and have good worship, which is what they were doing in church. And then people started thinking, but, but what I do at church and what I do here is actually the same thing. So, you know, why, why go to church? You know, why go to the building? Because I'm the church, you know. But you know what? That is, that is the banks that were set for those people. So when, when the lockdown happened, those people couldn't distinguish the two. But, you know, one of the things I can say with Josh Jen, we have never said that this is a place where you can just get a good message, get good worship. But actually we say, no, you're the priesthood of believers. This is a place where you not only receive, but it's a place where you give. It's a place where you have an outlet, that your ministry is exercised, that your gifting is used, that you have given of yourself because you're a priesthood. You see, and as I was looking at, at, at the scripture of Ezekiel, there's something that really struck me because Ezekiel says this. He says um, from verse 11, he says, But it's swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Now, what is a swamp? If you think of a swamp, it's something that has an inlet, am I right? But it doesn't have an outlet. And so a swamp is actually is a stagnant water. It's water that's just sitting there rotting because it's got no outlet. And uh, so you understand, even though in lockdown, man, we've got to get together because I've got a ministry to give. There's my brothers that I've got to sow into. There's people that, are, that need to be ministered, and I need to disciple people. And so that is so important in the life of the church, and that's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey. Part of discipling is teaching people to obey, not just teaching people. It's getting to the place where they can be obedient. So we've got to show them, how do you obey? Well, look at my life. Come, come to my house. Let me, let me explain this and let me walk this road with you. That's discipling. That's your outlet. That's part of the move of the Spirit flowing in you but also through you that you become living water flowing out. Am I right? Are you guys with me? And, uh, but the thing is, too, I want to say this about the structure of the river. It's not a law. So as Chad and I, we often quote, hey, come guys, get devoted, be part of it. You know, we don't say it's a law. You have to do this. You have to do that. As you read in Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves. So part of the structure is you devoting yourself because you understand the purpose of structure. You understand the purpose of the riverbanks so the Holy Spirit can work in you and through you. Understand that. You guys, you guys get it. I want to ask you, is your, is your, is your riverbanks set that the Holy Spirit can work in, and, in you and through you? Or have you become a marsh? It's quite hard, eh? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying this. This is Ezekiel talking about the marshes. And I'm asking myself as a teacher, what does that mean, God? 
what is a marsh? You know, what is, what is a marsh? Yeah, I was just reading up about a marsh. You know, it's stagnant water. Water can become stagnant in, little, in as little as 24 hours. Mold and bacteria also begins to grow within 48 hours. And mold can colonize within 12 days. So, and then everything inside that water begins to rot. I want to say to you, are you, are you a marsh? Or is God flowing through you? Because I want to be part of that river. You know, the opposite from a marsh is when you look at the riverbanks, it's just, it's just life, isn't it? There's just, if you look along the river, there's trees in it. And that's, that's the purpose of church. We accommodate the Spirit. It's not just for us. It's that when people come and look and they look, oh, there's an oasis. God must be there. There's life here. People, you know, I can see God just restores marriages. He restores families. He brings healings. He brings salvation. He brings people to freedom. He sets them free from bondage. That's life. That's the river that God's called us to and to be part of. The amazing thing is, I want to say this about a river. As you read that picture that Ezekiel paints, it's like, a, it's like a river that's just flowing down, and it goes to the lowest point, being the Dead Sea. Do you know the Dead Sea is the lowest point in land? Huh? It's 1,400 feet below sea level. And, it's, and Ezekiel sees this picture, and this, this river goes into the Dead Sea. I've never been there, but Lauren's been there, and she's told me it's like yucky. When you climb in that water, it's like slimy, and it's a salt, and you have to have a really long shower afterwards because there's nothing there. There's just no light. There's just salt. But yet, Ezekiel sees this picture, and it's just life in this river. And he says, the fish that you see there is like the fish you see in the sea. That, that so big and so much. Hey? Isn't that exciting as Ezekiel looks at this? And I was just thinking about this, you know, we need to become like that river. I want to ask you, are you prepared to be like a river that's constantly gravitating, not to the highest points, but to the lowest points? Because God's leading us. And, and we need to have the, the heart, even like John the Baptist says, I must decrease. I must decrease. I must find the lowest point constantly because I know the life of God is going to flow through me to the lowest point. Let me tell you, church, and this is what I want to say tonight. I know there's people that are really hopeless, people that have lost loved ones, people that are actually searching for Jesus. The world, we are living in a time, this COVID time, if it's done anything, it's made people wanting to know what's the truth. When there's so much information, what's the truth? Where's my hope? People are seeking that. Let me tell you, people are hungry. People are thirsty. And I almost feel like the cry of Jesus says, come to me. All you are weary. All you are thirsty. You guys are the ones that point people to him. I want to ask you, are you looking for the lowest points? Are you finding people that need Jesus? I'm not. I've got to be honest with you. Sometimes in my mind, I'm not even conscious of that. And God's challenging me. I mean, there's a lady now that, that, that's husband just died of COVID. And I know we spoke with her. We used to have conversations with her as we took our dogs to the park. Uh, and this lady was totally anti-God, anti, you know, all, all this conspiracy the theories, anti-vaccines, all of these things. And her husband dies of COVID. And she's like, what now? She's seeking. And we had the opportunity, even today, she came to our house because we've been, Lauren has been amazing. She's been ministering to her. And it's like her heart's just opened. 
And uh, do you want do you want to share? Can you share something of that? I think it's important, just the imp- of this of this testimony. So, um, I, I just say to Benny, the miracle salvation is an absolute miracle because I've known this woman for quite a few years. I don't know her very well, but um, I've seen the hardness of her heart. I've seen her. I've just I've, I've seen that that side of her and. Um, her husband passed away, and then she got COVID, so she was home alone. No one could come to the house. She was desperate, and I just felt God saying, you need to reach out to her now, now. You know, it's like, don't wait, because I thought, you know, if, if she dies as well, who's given her the gospel? And um, and I was messaging her, and, and we've been in communication, and I obviously couldn't go there because of the COVID, and... Um, She's received Jesus actually through someone through someone else, but she that person said, "Get in contact with Lauren." And um, so I've been ministering to her, and this woman has gone from this to this. Uh, I mean, her heart is so open for the gospel. She is seeking Him. She wants. She's asking me questions all the time. She um, invited her to church today, but someone else has invited her to church already. And she says, is it okay? Is it okay for Christians to be going all over? So, you know, I'm, I'm just um, coming alongside her, discipling her, pointing her to Jesus, teaching her how to read the word. I mean, just the simple things. Um, but the hunger in her and the, and the longing to know Jesus, it's just incredible. And I, I do believe she was at her lowest point. And Jesus has come. and. And she's found Jesus, so, yeah. Yeah, that is amazing. And you know, Jesus said the harvest is ripe. You know, you can look at COVID. Let me tell you, if it wasn't for COVID, I don't think that hunger would be there. And God uses circumstances like that to bring people to salvation. And uh, so, like I said, we can't think linear. If if God's going to use that, man, I, I want to be part of just being an instrument in his hands and but are you willing to go low are you willing to constantly be seeking the lord to the lowest point and if you look at jesus hey he hung around with the tax collectors he dined with the prostitutes and the pharisees would look at him like what you're doing and he says you know what you guys seek the highest honor you're looking for the high you're trying to go high i'm going i'm seeking and saving those who are lost you know that's the difference between the Pharisees and, and those tax collectors was they acknowledged that they were sick. And Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. And can I say, when you're going for the lowest, you're going to find the sick. You're going to find the hurt. You're going to find the broken. But you're going to find those who are seeking the Lord. And they are right, church. They are right. But the Bible says we are to have the mind of Christ. In Philippians 2, I don't know if I gave you that one, Becky. It says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even to the point of death, even death on the cross. How low was Jesus willing to go? Yeah, God creator of everything. He didn't try to hold on to his position as God. He says, I'm going to come down as man. 
And I'm not going to just stay as man. I'm going to become a servant to man. You know, you see Jesus going lower. And he says, but I'm not even going to just be a servant of man. I'm going to go even lower. I'm going to be obedient even to the point of death. <laughs> and yeah, we, we've got an issue because I'm not willing to go a little bit lower. You're not even God. But God gave us this mind. He says, let this mind, which is in Jesus, be in you. Isn't that amazing? That's God. And we are to have his heart. If we've got his mind, let me tell you, you'll have his heart to go where he's called us to go. And so I want to challenge you as a church. Are you drinking of the river? Are you drinking of Jesus? You know how you know? Because the water is flowing out of you. The spirit is flowing out of you because you've drunk of him. But everything of Jesus is oozing out of you. And you are becoming a wellspring to those around you. Who have you ministered to lately? Who have you spoken to about the gospel? Those around you, at the workplace, at the shops. That's a question I'm, I'm throwing out there. I'm feeling challenged by it. But it needs to be constantly on my lips because Jesus is flowing out of me. The wellspring is there within me. And uh, he's calling us, but he's also saying to us, and I, I really feel as this picture is, I also want to ask you, not only are you drinking of the source, but are you giving? Is, that, is the river bank set in your heart that the Holy Spirit can flow through you? Or have you become a swamp? Have you become stagnant in, in, in your relationship with the Lord? Have you become stagnant that there's no outlet within you? And I want to challenge you guys tonight. Allow the Spirit to work in your hearts. I don't know where, where you guys are at spiritually, but I do know that I think we can all say we, we one or the other or both. And uh, so, yeah, maybe, I don't know, can I pray and then?